It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. March 28, 2008, show number 72. During my trip to San Francisco, I spoke with Derek Haynes and Andre Lewis of High Groove Studios about their consulting and some other applications and side projects that they're starting up. Also this week, shake up in the Rails core commit team. A number of the previous core committers have been granted alumni access and will not be doing core commits to the Rails core anymore. Pratik Naik has been added and also Josh Peak, our new committer, so congratulations to them. Also, from looking at some of the commit logs, it looks like Jeff Boosing may have been added to the core team, which has dire consequences for my monopoly on Rails micro-celebrities named Joffrey. But welcome to all of them, and uh, looks like we may have some other Rails core committers to be soon added to the team, keeping Rails active and moving. The Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Atlantic Dominion Solutions, located at techcfl.com. ADS is a web development innovator that specializes in building user-focused Rails applications and enhancing their performance with Amazon Web Services. ADS also provides 24-7 monitoring and management of EC2 deployments, as well as fully managed hosting on virtual servers optimized for Rails applications. Hi, Groove Studios, Derek Haynes, Andre Lewis, and your other two compatriots are across the country. We'll probably talk about that, too. But you've got a lot going on. Your primary business that you started out with was just Rails Consulting, right? Yeah, it's, it's, still, our, it's still our primary uh, primary piece. I, th- I think for us, like the uh, loving, loving building, we just love building stuff. We love the marketing side and putting our, like... Um, putting ourselves out there on the product side too, so just start switching that to a to a new challenge. I think now San Francisco, everyone knows, definitely hot for technology. Have you found a lot of clients here for consulting, or has it been all around the world? Yeah, it's really been all over. I think that there's definitely a lot going on here in San Francisco. Um, you know, we've done stuff for bigger companies here in the Bay Area and also startups uh, both here and other parts of the country, too. I'd say it's about 50% here and 50% elsewhere. Does that sound about yeah, right? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say it's about that. And long-term, short-term, what kind of things do you find yourself in? I, I think for us, uh, we, we continue to enjoy the consulting part because... Like that for us is like our source of uh, our time. It gives us the time to work on our own projects. But I think for us really it's it's about like staying small because I think in all the stuff we do, whether it's our client work or in projects we've made, they've all been about like making things faster and easier. And the only way to do that is when like you are a small team and you, and you live on your productivity. And so for us, like those are the products I think that get us like really excited to build um, for us and, and for clients. It's also key too for us to have a small team where there's not a lot of and it layers to the uh, to the organization because it's just real tight network of trust and we know uh, we know what all of our skills are we just find it's the most efficient way to build things when you've got an organization like that that's pretty key for us yeah you've got two other people who aren't here James Edward Gray and Charles Quinn Charles Quinn yep. 
Yeah, and it, I think what's, what's interesting too, we we're lucky because like all of us like like certain different parts. Um, Andre is uh, awesome interface stuff, really good at JavaScript. Um, all of us kind of like um, Rails is kind of our core thing. Uh, James, uh, James is um, like now has uh, core commit access to Ruby, so he is like any like kind of Ruby question, like he's always there for us. And uh, Charles is. I've known him since uh, freshman year in college. He lived right below me in my dorm, but he's he's one of those people where uh, his his like uh, his breadth of knowledge is really good. He can figure out problems really fast. So for us, it was just kind of like having like a good like mesh of, of skills um, that we all work together with. So what are your new products, Scout? What is it? <laughs> so uh, last uh, last summer. I had I was going on vacation, and uh, right before I was going on vacation, we had several like performance problems, system problems, and at that point, it was like, God, we really got to get this under control. There's, there's nothing worse than not knowing if something's working or not, and um, so we looked at uh, a lot of other tools. We talked to people who had used other things, and we just didn't find one that was um, that just did some of the simple things, was flexible um, to monitor some of our special cases. Um, so we just we just started talking like you know we can build up some real small Ruby scripts that can um, that can let us kind of monitor whatever we want, and so Scout's that it's it's a collection of uh, small Ruby scripts uh, that we've made and you can build your own that lets you monitor and report back on just about anything. So uh, for example, we pull in Google Analytics data, FeedBurner, um, watch our Rails logs for slow requests, things like that. It all kind of throws it in uh, in one central place. So it really grew out of something that was painful for you. You solved your own problem, and now you feel like other people would benefit from that as well. We find a lot of the best products grow that way. Yeah. I think just remembering the feeling of, of is everything working, uh, that I had that we had a lot, and, and now where it's like, okay, side relief, we can focus on things we really want. Like That's a feeling I'd love to give to, uh, to anyone. I'm surprised how many I've talked to people I've talked to that oh my so server is running slow and you know I'm trying to get faster and yet there's no monitoring at all is the load high are we running out of disk whatever this is a tool that would give it's people a, that kind of it's a pain in the butts and a lot of monitoring stuff like um, uh, Rails Machine um, who we're going to be launching on Scout with first they'll tell you that same thing like they haven't found a good um, solution for it and it's it's kind of like Scout's just like everything kind of degrades to this lowest form. <laughs> and Scout's like, everyone has you built their own little monitoring scripts, and, and Scout's just a way to kind of combine the best ones and a place to collect that data. And it's just so like simple and fast to get going. So one thing that you showed me was that a lot of different correlations, even things that people wouldn't think uh, relate to each other. Tell me about some of those kinds of things that Scout can do. And... That that that's like one of my favorite parts of Scout. Uh, uh, Bradley Taylor from Rails Machine calls it server porn because uh, you can look at all kinds of data and look for trends. Like um, uh, I showed Jeff an example where uh, we had a cron job that was just it was, it was putting too much load on the server, so we can we can graph out the uh, the load and graph out the uptime of the website, and you see these exact correlations between once the load reaches a certain point. The, the site starts to go down, um, and so answering like real simple questions like that, uh, we actually even used it on Scout um, because Scout was monitoring itself uh, because uh, it collects a lot of data real, real fast when things pump stuff in. 
sort of pinpoint like the actions that were slowing the site down, the bottlenecks. We just had Scout tell us, tell us log file, and we could see the average request times of some of our slower requests. And, um, and it was good because we didn't think it was that one. It ended up being um, um, saving us a lot of time, like pinpointing problems. So um, it's really like a, you know, it's a surgeon. You can go in, you can pick out the exact thing you want to watch, and then uh, find that problem. I was talking to someone who said they could actually chart the number of signups or the the amount of time that people spent on the site based on the speed of, of how fast the site was responding, and that's not something that you would directly correlate, but they said, oh yeah, if the site starts getting slow, people don't sign up, people don't use it, it's directly related. That seems like something that could even be... Yeah, that, that's actually, it's really, since we, we pump our own um, data into uh, into Scout, like user sign-ups and, and votes and stuff like that. And and you can, uh, uh, since it's so easy to, to graph all this stuff on Scout, um, you can really, you do see trends and like um, request times. And not only that, I mean, you, you can graph like, like, like fee burner subscription rates versus how much traffic increases on your site to really see... Um, see the types of things you think might be true, but you're not really sure, and it's going to take too much time to uh, actually graph it out yourself. <laughs> One thing that's really cool with Scout too is because it's so easy to make your own plugins. It's really easy to make something that's that pumps in actually application-specific data. So if there's some action that's specific to an application, you can put that alongside other data. For example, your feed burner stats in Scout, and that's when you start to see some really interesting correlations. Now, a lot of this information, it's in crucial to people's businesses, but it's also very important to them. What kind of things are you doing to protect people's data? That's been a good big thing lately with Google and Facebook and other companies, giving people access to pull their data out and then also make sure that it's protected when it's stored. Yeah. And that's like kind of comes to the heart of like why we're working a lot with uh, Rails Machine on this, um, because they're... There for us, there are experts on kind of the hardware, some of the security issues, reliability issues, um, redundancy things, and being able to, to work with them, um, partnering with them on this, like, um, it's something I think that for a lot of people can, it, it, it cuts across so many different parts of like developing an app, um, kind of having them to, to work with has been a big, big help for that. Now, business-wise, when you had this idea, it was just to solve some problems you were having personally it seems like it's helped already but you want to open this up uh, sell different plans for people to access this do you have any goals how much of a percentage or a part of your business is this going to be I, I wouldn't say we we've, we've got a goal on it I think our our, our number one thing is you know I, I think when we're, when we're, when we're coming like us that just grows piece by piece um, I look at it. Can it can it just take up? Can I work on this instead of um, instead of instead of a client project? Um, it's like little pieces at at a time. Um, it's just it's still it's still really young, and so it's not uh, it's not there yet. But I think one of the advantages though is by having client work, and a lot of people a lot of people bash it. Um, is that it gives us like there, there's a security there's security there too. Like we're not just reliant on Scout success. Um, or our client success, like there's, it gives us some balance both ways. So, did you have to make the decision to say, okay, I'm yes, I'm in San Francisco. I probably know lots of VCs or people connected, but I'm gonna 
choose to, to fund this and, and still do client work and do it that way rather than try and put the uh, whole basket of eggs into it. Yeah, that's a pretty easy decision for us and basically comes down to autonomy, I think. We definitely want to be the ones controlling our destiny. And, you know, since uh, we ha have had the fortune of, you know, having you know, really good clients and doing a lot of work we enjoy on that side, it's kind of pretty much a no-brainer for us to just fund ourselves. I think um, Andre, Charles, and I, we were at a dinner one night at a sushi place. I asked him, like, what, what, what do you want to do? Like, you know, what's your goal? And he's like, well, I sort of continue doing things that, like, make me happier. And, and like, I thought... Like for us, it's like we really. I I enjoy working with the clients. I enjoy with. I I enjoy releasing our products. Like what? Why? Why exactly are we gonna gonna switch? Um, so we just wanna, we just want to spend. And the more and more we're doing it, the happier and happier we are. So at the end of the day, that's what I think matters to, to all of us. So the four of you are spread across the United States, a couple different time zones. How's that been working with a? team that's uh, distributed like that. I know some people, 37 Signals, even advocated that. I don't know if they would say, okay, we need someone in the mountain time zone, but uh, yeah. has it been working with a, a pretty small team, four people, but you're still in different parts of the U.S.? Yeah, it's worked really well. I think the key is, you know, we've, in, we've implemented some processes, but like really lightweight processes. You don't want it to be a total free-for-all, but just example, like we're always all in the same IRC room together. And that's, you know, that's one of our key focal points throughout the day is if anybody needs something, we're all in the IRC room. Uh, we've got a really lightweight mechanism for checking in and checking out, uh, just telling each other what we're doing today. We just use a Google document, just like you go in at the beginning of the day, we each write down what we're doing, and if we need help with anything, we'll put it in there. So just those kind of, like, I hesitate to even call them processes, but they work really well because they are really lightweight and we are a small team. So we've actually found the, the fact that we're distributed to not be an, an impediment at all. I think the other, like, there's definitely, I think with all of us, like, we're really open. Uh, we, you know, someone makes a mistake, like, we kid around a lot. So there's, there's like, it just reduces that, um, the, I think that the trust between all of us is there, um, where... Um, it's just it's you know the, the biggest problem that you could have is if you're if someone's not close to you is you can kind of let problems slide and slide and difficult conversations slide and then things just like end up way worse than what you thought and I think with us we uh, um, it, it had that doesn't really ever ever come up. So for a lot of people, it's work to do consulting and have a project, but now you've got another one to place shout. Yeah, so PlayShout is, I guess, our uh, our Web 2.0 style effort alongside our subscription Not for plan. developers. <laughs> no, it's not for developers. PlayShout tries to solve a specific problem of telling you um, uh, where you should go around town. Now, there's other sites you can go to this. Yelp is probably what comes to people's mind first. Um, so the problem that we had with Yelp was that People love to write reviews in Yelp, and the reviews get really, really long. Some people are telling all kinds of background stories and how they got there and what they did earlier that day. We just wanted to cut right to the chase. What's good about this place? So Play Shout is short-form reviews. Uh, each uh, shout-out, as we call it, is limited to 100 characters. So you got to get in. Only 100. 100 characters. Twitter gives you 140. 
We're, we're, uh, Twitter's got more money than us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we couldn't afford those extra 40, 40 characters. characters. Those extra 40 characters. <laughs> but you can think a little bit of it as, as, a, as a tweet, but uh, you know, about something specific, which is key. You know, it's anchored to a place in the real world. So you go and give your shout-out. Uh, the rest of the community will come along and vote you up or vote you down or vote that shout-out up or down. The idea is what's important about that place like percolates to the top of the list pretty quickly. Do people also give some kind of a star rating, or is it just straight out whatever they, their 100 characters and that's it? Yeah, we wanted to keep it pretty simple, so you give kind of a textual description at 100 characters, and then I guess the, uh, the, the, the ranking comes in with people when people come along and agree or disagree with okay, that. Okay, so they'll say that was useful. Yeah. I think when we looked at it, we were like, you know, when... Jeff, when you give a friend a suggestion of place to eat, it probably takes you about a sentence to get it out. You're not giving them, like, I hope you're not giving them, like, hey, <laughs> like, ten paragraphs, and, uh, and here's five other places you should try. And if you're not interested in Thai, here's some other... Like, it's, hopefully, it's usually pretty cut, cut to the chase. And um, that's kind of what we wanted to, to style uh, the place out to be. I think it also, like, it forces you to, like, write, like, those 100 characters have to contain like a lot of like bite to them, and summarizes it. So you just re- you, you think more, and um, let's get some really interesting shout-outs. What's interesting too is you see people since it is limited in characters, people will describe just one aspect of the place. So they're just saying, you know, this place serves great steaks. There might be another shout-out that says this is a great date place. You know. To, uh, so in those, those two different characteristics then will get voted up or voted down independently. So it kind of gives you a very, much more granular profile on a place than you would see in a long-form review. That seems like a problem in growing a site, a community-driven site like that is getting content. Did you restrict it at first and say, okay, this is just going to be San Francisco and we're going to promote it to our friends here in San Francisco? Or has that has it been a problem to actually get content so that people don't come to the site and it's just, just empty for something they're searching for? Yeah, I think for a lot of the cities, so to answer your first question, it's open nationwide. Um, and I think for a lot of the cities where people go there, there isn't enough content to make it a really compelling place yet. But I think that for the big cities, there is a lot of content there. It's like any community site, you know, it's, it's going to take time to get to the point where it's... Uh, a truly rich repository of content. But, you know, we're getting there. Uh, we've, we've had some write-ups on it. More people are coming to the site all the time. So um, I, I'm, I'm expecting great things. It seems like you have to give something like that time, too. We often think of some of these different sites that we love and appreciate today, and yet they took two or three years even to get up to a decent number of users. Not every site is just instant adoption the week after it's launched. Yeah, I think that's like one of the the like mind frame changes you make when you're a developer to developer and like it's your baby that you're launching. Like realizing that like the launching a site if you're doing consulting, like that's kinda of might be the end. But hopefully like it's just the beginning. I I, I read something you wrote you built a uh, a feed up. Uh, Feed reader. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't get in, didn't get in you wish you would have given more time to actually like like sell. And that's like some a trend like we see in, in client projects that work well is they know like it's 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 work. Like it's it's just work and some things work and some things don't have to do launch, but just like pressing forward. And that's kind of uh 
Um, Andre's good at, at, I'm always the one who's like, uh, I think stressing out and like, today we only had a couple of users, like, what do we, what do we gotta change? What do we gotta, what do we gotta change? And uh, Andre gives good guidance on, uh, on the patient side. It's also nice too, since you know we are funding this ourselves. We don't have to answer to anyone. You know, there's no VC breathing down our neck. That we can kind of let it grow. I think at the pace that, you know, I would expect a site like this to grow, and if it needs to percolate for six months, that's fine. With funding it like that, do you kind of have a mental or explicit budget of okay, I'm putting these number of days. I'm going to put this amount of money into promoting the site. Is it that specific, or is it just kind of let's see how it goes and react? Yeah, I don't think we've we've got we've never gone to that level of detail. Um, I think our our basic um, I think kind of understanding we have with uh, Charles, James, and Andre and myself is that Fridays are, are our internal day, and like that's the day we work on um, Scout, um, Play Shout, um, a new Rails thing that just came out, and play with it, and that. For a while, that time was spent on on play shout. Um, so I think when you when you're doing stuff that hopefully is a little bit more on the edge, like it's just so tough to know whether something's gonna work or not. Um, we just said, okay, well let's just make that you know kind of promise to each other, and we you know are on our backs if uh, one person or not can't fulfill that. So a couple of months ago, I was at this conference. Paul Graham spoke, and uh, unfortunately, I slept through his lecture. But I did read it afterwards, and he made a controversial statement of, if you are a startup, you need to spend at least some time in San Francisco. Of course, people in London, New York, other places said, no, that's not true. You don't need to. But, you know, I, I worked just a little bit for a startup, actually an hour north in Petaluma, PNN.com, and it it does seem like a whole different environment, even from being in Seattle, a lot of technology, big computer companies there, but there's total different environment in San Francisco. Did you feel like that helped you or hurt you to be a startup in San Francisco? I, th I think the way it helps is on the uh, peer pressure side. Um, I, I lived in uh, Atlanta after I graduated college and no one there, uh, I, won't, I won't say no one, but there's, there's far fewer startups. A lot of people are working for uh, big companies. You're kind of crazy if you're smart and you're not working for a large company. If you're starting doing some of your own, it's a little off. Um, out here though, there's a lot of like people taking chances and doing stuff on their own. And like, like when I see that, there's, I'm, I'm a little competitive. I think everyone at, everyone, everyone at some point. And, um, seeing other people doing all kinds of stuff around me like makes me want to do that more too. So for that that for me is is the number one thing that I enjoy out of out of that atmosphere. You were saying that too also kind of affected your impression of venture capital or whether that was worth going for or not. I I, I when Andre and I and we both know companies and people that that have gone that route. And uh it uh, it seems a lot more stressful, uh, a lot more stressful, and I, I think just get back. I'm I'm very happy doing what uh, doing what we're doing now. So maybe you have multiple kinds of peer pressure, and you have yeah. to take the good peer pressure to say take a chance, and maybe ignore some of the other peer pressure. Yeah, and I think you know we're in it for like a long run thing. We like working together. We're happy, and uh, it's not um, you know. 
you know, if you're taking funding by a company, you might it's they de- it's there's definitely a, a shorter term launch goal. Um, you know, with, for us, I think it's more of a marathon. Yeah, I think the way I see it too is that I'm doing stuff that I like to do every day. I know we we uh, the four of us are, and so <laughs> it might sound a little bit hokey, but for me, it's a little bit about the journey. You know, whereas I feel like if I went out and got venture capital, I made all these promises, I was going to deliver this big thing on this date. Um, I'm not sure I'd be enjoying my day to day work that much. It would all be towards you know trying to get to the end point. So, I, I really like to do things that I like to do every day and enjoy my work, and that that's a key part of what we're doing here. It, just, it gives us a lot of freedom to bounce around. Like, okay, I'm tired of working on Play Shop for a little bit. I need a break. Well, let me work on Scout. Or, like, there's this, I want to, I'm going to check out Google Android. Like, there's just lots of, you have a lot, we just, I enjoy that, that freedom to explore, like, what I want to. Hygroove Studios is giving out 20 invitations to the beta program of their Scout application. Send email to podcast at highgroove.com. If you're one of the first 20, you'll get a free ticket to try out their Scout server monitoring solution. Thanks also to Rails Machine for providing hosting and bandwidth for the show.